and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. I'm Rooster, here with Crow. Hello. How you doing, Crow? Pretty good. Uh, tell me a story. Tell you a story? Yeah. About anything? <laughs> no, about uh, Judo Jojo's Go-Go Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fantastic place. It does. To go have a drink. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, there's. Uh, you'll walk into the bar, and you'll see immediately, you'll see the big ca- the Go-Go cages. Okay. It'd be like four to six of them, depending on how, how big the place is. And there will be women in there doing go-go dancing. And they won't do it for tips. You can't throw money at them. Are they wearing full geese? Well, I don't know. If, they're more like kimono geese. <laughs> if you think about like a shorty kimono. Okay. It'll be like a like gi- your Like your bathrobe? <laughs> yes, the bathroom I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I try keep trying not to expose myself, but it's really hard sitting here. Um, but, you know, well, I guess geese are short. So it's basically pants. You know, they'll wear go-go boots and a gi. Okay. And you know, depending on how how um, they get rated or how long they've been there, seniority wise, they'll have different belt colors. So okay, be a black belt in in, in go go uh, judo jojo go go dojo dancing. Okay, um, and then all the bartenders will wear geese, and they'll have like uh, you know drinks where they you know where they'll karate chop like a melon <laughs> in half and then put squeeze it into your drink. That so kind that's of stuff. that's not a that's not a go go. Well, I suppose it is, that's not a judo. That's no, not they'll, a they'll, judo be, they'll be chop sake going on too. It's like a, it'll be a mix of stuff. I mean, okay. it's not it's not precise. You know, it's it's not a, a it won't hold up to scrutiny of uh, of the experts. But those people are douches anyway. <laughs> Does it sound like something I'm going to hear see in a Dolomite movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I suppose it better now that you brought it up. I better copyright it and trademark it, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Well, it's so. timestamp now. And I do have. I actually was going through my old. Uh, we brought this up before the before the show here. I was, I was like, I was going through some old files because I'm moving and I'm getting stuff uh, out of what, my. You're moving out of my desk. When out, were you going to tell me? Minneapolis. Um, been talking about it. I'm I'm putting my I'm I'm doing it. But uh, I found like an old paper where I had the, like the logo written out. I'm like, oh shit, this might be something. I might be onto something here. I might have to revisit this. So. I thought you were going to ask me to do a story. I'm like, well, I just took a shower the other day, and I noticed that half the hair on my legs is missing. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I'm taking a shower, right? And okay. uh, and I normally when you when you which pick, half? Like the front half, the back well, half, the like top from, half from the knees down. Okay. Like um, my I looked at my legs and like the inner side of my shins, like are hairy, and then from that shin bone all the way around to the back are bald. You know what that sounds like to me? What? Male pattern shin baldness. <laughs> I think I think that's what that is. Oh, you laugh. It's a thing. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? How did, I, how did I you go? Know, and, and my legs are very white, too, so it's you, super noticeable. You get old and, uh, you know, male pattern shin baldness. And I don't know when it happened because when you take a shower and you wash, you don't, like, look at your legs. I don't know how I managed to look at my legs, but I think I, I went and I was like, what's going on here? And then I felt I'm like, oh, I'm bald as a baby's butt right here on the side here. You wear socks a lot? Not that high, no. Hmm. And my pants aren't super tight, so radiation poisoning. I'm think so. I'm thinking like it's. I think it's the beginning of development of superpowers. Did your, did your dad or your grandpa have male pattern shin baldness? <laughs> I never asked. I'll have to look into my DNA results and see. Okay. So, 
I think that would make uh, a good would you rather. Would you rather have male, male pattern, pattern shin, shin baldness, baldness or... or a super hairy back? I think I'd go with the male pattern shin baldness. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not too overly concerned about it. Although I do have good looking feet. So... I don't. Mine are jacked up. Yeah. But if I if I wear shorts, I'm slightly bow-legged, and I have very, very pale skin and skinny legs. So it's kind of a silly look. I don't I don't go uh, pantless very often. Well, I'm no. not a never-nude. Now you're going shin-bald. Mm-hmm. Now I really have to keep the pants on. You know what? So if you ever have to go nude, you're going to have to wear, like, those uh, compression socks that don't – compression sleeves on your shins. What it, What would they call a toupee for your shins? <laughs> a choupee. <laughs> Too much info yeah. right away. So Well, now you've doxxed yourself because mm-hmm. if you ever go around wearing shorts, people will be, that's the guy. And why is that guy not wearing shorts? He probably is shin-bald. Yeah, no kidding. They're going to shin-shame you. <laughs> shin- Don't shin-shame me. Yeah, you're being shin-shamed. Don't shin-shame me, bra. Yeah. All right. Well, we, in our pre-show stuff, had a ton of stuff to go through, but I want to point out why I'm right again. Uh, all right, let's have it. I haven't it, heard this yet. It's my boy, John Roberts. Did you hear the flurry of activity he and his court threw out the last couple days? I heard that there was some activity about Trump and his taxes. Before we get to that, did you hear what he did to uh, the ACA and religious freedom? Yes, that's good. That's a continuation of what they were talking about. This is for the the Obamacare, um, gutting Obamacare. Right. Yeah. Which he continues to deliver death by a thousand cuts to. Right. Um, and the you know they did the you can't use the commerce clause. Right. They did you they did the and that's I want to get back to that in a second because that's what Roberts does in all of these opinions that he puts in. He narrows the scope of where the lower court's going to be able to go with it right away. Um, and he did that on these two. So they had the uh, religious freedom one, which passed seven to two. So even Kagan and Breyer were in on this, saying that uh, religious institutions— Don't have to offer abortion. Don't have to pay for birth control. Yeah. So, Any kind of birth control or abortion. Right. Yeah. I Did it include abortion? Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So between the Commerce Clause and you can't, you can't uh, mandate people buying it and, you know, all of these little decisions, they're— they're rendering the ACA pretty useless, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, so then getting to the Trump stuff, there were two decisions that were passed down. Both of them, though Trump didn't like them, were correct, but I also think advantageous to him in the long run if he would. Well, in the short run, it's advantageous just because it's going to push it past the elections. Well, that's the thing. So his the Trump Trump's lawyers argued ridiculously that a president cannot be um, – investigated criminally while he's president, which is ridiculous, and that was never going to pass. But why? I don't understand why it's ridiculous. Well, Nixon tried that. You can't you, – just because you are president doesn't mean you can't be accused of a crime. Yeah, but you see what's happened. No, but again, Roberts narrows that again. Okay. So in, in that decision, they said, no, so the, the uh, southern whatever of New York, southern district of New York, whatever, that is trying to prosecute uh, – um, Trump criminally right. wants those tax returns. And the Roberts court said, yeah, because, you know, under the law, y- you can go after a president. But then he does what Roberts always does. He goes, but here's the thing. Um, you, can't, you can't just say, well, we want them. You have to be very specific in what you want them for. 
So you have to lay out your case and why you need them. You can't just subpoena them, okay? So now when it gets kicked back to that lower court, they have to start all over again, which allows Trump's lawyers to then make another new argument to possibly sway that court to not release them. So Roberts basically said, go back and start all over again. Because if you do it wrong and it comes back here, we're going to send it back to you again. So what that did was, it yes, it did allow them to uh, criminally prosecute a president or criminally investigate a yeah. president, which anybody should be able to be criminally investigated. Uh, and I know where you're going to go with this, but that, that leads into the second one in a second here. But it reset it to the point where they're not going to be able to get this stuff by the election. And they're not going to care if they get it after the election because he, he's either in for good and they can't get him out or he's or they need him to make sure he doesn't get in. Yeah. So on the second one where the House was requesting this stuff, the Roberts court said, no, you can't have it. He said, because and this is where he limits it again. He says, because that's a that's a uh, balance of powers thing. If we allow you to do that just whenever you want to do it, he goes, you get to uh, you get to just harass him, basically harass him. So, no, you don't yeah. get to do that. Well, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah. That's, was two that's, of them. I, yeah, I heard about the um, kicking it back to the lower courts for the taxes, but I didn't hear about the, the Congress. Right. But that's also taxes, right? They want to see his taxes. Same thing. They both want to see it. But the House wants to see them to start a criminal investigation. Right. And Robert said, no, that's. Uh, well, it's like the it's like the. Um, uh, the shit they've been, they were doing for Russia. It's it's basically just harassment to tie his hands so that he's not able to com- do what he wants to do as president. And they know the reason the, the, the I think this is bullshit and they need to revisit this more is because they can they can come after a president on whatever grounds that are tangentially related to um, any criminal act that they they can come up with, and then or or somebody he's associated with. This it came out of Roger Stone, right? Stuff he said is what made them decide to start doing this. I think it is. But they – I could be wrong. Um, But what they're doing is they know that they don't even really care if they can win this. They just want to gum up his system so that he doesn't get anything accomplished, which makes him look bad in the eyes of his constituents and other people saying, well, he's promising this and that and the other, but he can't do any of it. He hasn't done shit. Well, it's because you motherfuckers are completely tying him up and making him have to deal with your shit. Well, that's their attitude. This is different because his attorneys are going to be dealing with that. That's that's not something he's going to be dealing with. All right. Well, the Russia stuff was uh, the Russia stuff is different because it directly threatens him through impeachment. Yeah. But again, here's what Roberts has done. He's kept the court out of this politically by sort of giving both sides kind of what they're looking for, and at the same time setting a precedent, and in effect taking this off the table for the election because they're never going to be able to get this done in time. And so what he has – and Roberts loves precedent, and that's one of the things people hate about him so much. But he did he did basically say the House going forward is not going to be able to pull that stuff just because they feel like they want to look for an investigation. That's a um, uh, balance of powers deal. You know, It's a checks and balances issue that, yeah. that throws it off. So that's closed. House can't do it now. And Nancy Pelosi knows it. That's why she didn't say much about it today. And he said, yeah, of course you can investigate a president criminally. If a president does criminal stuff, yeah, you can, which you should be able to do. But you don't get to get the evidence and then accuse him of a crime. You have to accuse him of the crime. If you have to say, well, it's tax evasion or blah, 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 
You can't just subpoena that stuff and start looking. Tell us what you're looking for. I just think just even if a president's got uh, something comes up from his past from 15 years ago and they go, oh, this is some pretty bad shit. I think we need to investigate. Um, I think you need to get both parties. You need to get like the, the Democrats and the Republicans have to both both agree that it's something that, you know, you can't just have it stacked. Well, you're, first of all, the scenario you're talking about is extremely rare. I mean, the only time people have really investigated a president criminally is the Nixon stuff. And which, it was for what Nixon did while he was president. Which is not nearly as bad as the stuff Obama's done. I know. But the point is, if you're going to be fair, yes, a president should be able to be investigated criminally. But what Roberts is saying is you can't just throw shit out there. You need to come to us with an actual case. So kicked it back down to the court and basically said start the whole thing over again. So they don't get his stuff tomorrow. But the other thing is, and Rush brought this up, he said, D.C. is a political town, mostly full of liberals. If there was anything in Trump's tax returns, which is which have been submitted for years and years now, don't you think that shit yeah. would have leaked at this point? Right. All they want it for is to be able to say, he's not as rich as he said he was. People go, well, we have to investigate it for Russia. There's not a line item on your taxes for bribes from uh, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And I'm not trying to oversimplify that if you are laundering money you're not going to find it in your taxes someplace yeah they just want to embarrass him they, yeah, they want to use they want to do it for the same reason they do it all the time the same reason mark cuban wants to do it <laughs> they want to find them so that they can say okay well he either didn't pay the taxes he should or if he did pay the taxes he should or paid more they want to be able to say well he didn't donate enough to charity it's, right. it's never a problem when the liberals don't do that or he quote unquote used loopholes yeah when uh bernie sent and Oh, I, I, I knew that. Fucking was, hate loopholes. There are no loopholes. I know. That's why I use the quotes. There are no tax loopholes. Yeah. There are only tax laws. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like them, change them. Took um, advantage of tax law. Yeah, but I mean, you look at Bernie Sanders, who was a multi-millionaire, and they went through his taxes, and he he donated like twenty five hundred dollars, and they go, yeah, seems well, yeah, fair. Well, that's a socialist for you. But he gets away with it. If Trump had his taxes and donated the equivalent of what Sanders did, they would say, well. That's a pittance for him. Yeah. So they just want him for embarrassment. So they lost. And I liked it. And I still like Robert. So there. Yeah, you um yeah, the I have this same problem with Roberts going very, very in love with precedence. And we talked about this I think it was the last episode. Or was, no, the episode before we talked about how he was part of a ruling where he was the minority and he disagreed with the ruling with the majority. And Texas then, versus Louisiana yeah, and he, abortion clinic yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then he came back. And he said, well, based on precedence of this, that we have to go along with that. I'm like, but you thought it was shitty to begin with. Why do you have to go with precedence? At this I, ha I have not read those opinions, so right. I'm not going to comment on it. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I, have to, I had it in front of me before when we were talking about it, and I don't have it in front of me, but it, it irritated me. It's like, why? I get, I get it. I, I understand why you have to have precedent. You have to go on precedence. But sometimes, you know, fuck principle when it comes to, like, when it comes to actually doing damage to the country and damage to your society, you have to decide if it's worth it. I don't know. You have to play by the, by the, by the, uh, by the shitty rules sometimes, or, you know, um, get off your principle a little bit just to make shit happen. I like my principles. Yeah. Oh, so, well. Um, while we're on the court, I've got another subject. Okay. You had it on your pre-show stuff too. Cause I have a feeling the court's going to be ruling on this. All right. Within the next I'll 24 bring months. Bring it up. If you tell me what it is. 
uh, the Seattle City Employment uh, Employee Whiteness Test. Oh, God, I've got it. That's the first one I have up here. So, so Seattle employees, people, uh, municipal employees paid by the city, have to take a whiteness test where you have to basically, it's based on the book White Fragility, which is a big apology tour by the uh, author as to why she's a racist and hates herself. And you have to, uh, you only have to take this test if you're white. You have to burn a vacation day to do it. And uh, you yeah, can. Yeah, but you're privileged to be You can so opt out have... of it if you don't identify as white. Oh. So in this class, you basically have to admit your racism by denying you are a racist. It's cognitive dissonance. And then you have to uh, go through some course of self talk. To re-education. Re-educate yourself as to why you really are racist. Well, uh, speaking of that, there's um, this journalist, Christopher F. Rufo of the City Journal, has retri- retrieved documents showing uh, the Marxist re-education training that white government employees in the city of Seattle were forced to attend. Amer- uh, core American concepts such as objectivity and individualism were classified as internalized racial superiority and demonized during the training. So... Uh, the city held a training session for white employees. It was called, quote, Interrupting Internalized Racial Superiority and Whiteness, unquote. That's what it was called. So he goes, uh, so I did public records request to find out exactly what that means. And so he's going to go through it. He goes, first, diversity trainers informed white participants that objectivity, individualism, intellectualization, and comfort are all vestiges of internalized racial oppression. So... They say white people are not allowed to feel safe at work. You're not entitled to feel safe at work. But these are people who demand safe rooms from hearing hearing somebody talk. White employees were told to accept an increased possibility for physical harm, a willingness to lose all control, and a potential loss of employment as a way of undoing their whiteness. Okay, so government basically has two jobs, and uh, this is one of them that they're not doing by saying – as a government employee, you're not going to be safe at work. We're not going to guarantee your safety. So this is going to get to the Supreme Court, and I'm predicting at least an 8-to-1 decision of get the fuck out of here with this. You simply cannot cause other uh, people to take a test or take a course or go through training based completely on their race. You can't do it. Yeah. And the uh, precedent loving Roberts court is going to kick the absolute shit out of this. Yeah. And they're, and I think they'll take it. I hope so. I wish they'd take the gun shit. Yeah. I wish they would too, but that's, that's not just on Roberts. Yeah, that's true. But according to the white fragility book, there's nothing you can do as a white person. You have to apologize, feel guilty for the rest of your life and shut the fuck up. Right. And here's, what's funny about this being an ally. Um, the liberal whites, the far leftist whites that talk about we need to be allies, they don't really even they're so they don't know what to do with that, what that means. So you either use your whiteness, your white privilege to speak out on behalf of black people, or that is you white splaining and you you are being uh, um, racially insensitive and superior if you talk for black people. So it's like a catch twenty two for them. They. One way or the other, if you get a person coming in your face and going, hey, I'm an ally, and I go, oh, are you? Explain that to me. 
you can catch them in that fucking catch twenty two because no yeah. matter what they say, it's going to contradict all the bullshit out there that says you either, you're either speaking for them, which is white splaining, which is something you can't do, or you're or you're um, you're not speaking for them, but you're not using your privilege to 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 um, to express or help them express themselves. So which is it? You can't win. They can't win that argument. Well, and this is the thing where, like you've said many times now, you have to stand up to it. Mm-hmm. You have to, as a white employee there, say, I'm not taking it. And you laugh at it. Make Mostly me. the best way to do it is to say, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Go, don't, that's ridiculous. Or, or you can do like, a, who was it that Elon Omar was uh, was questioning in Congress? Where she? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was um, he was a Bush appointee at one point. She was trying to say that he uh, he um, used some policy or something or some uh, there was some war or something to basically specifically kill yeah. people of color. And were you doing that? And he's like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to answer. Yes or no question. Did you? He goes, no. And she goes, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, no, but what what you got to do is stand up to this because the first person who stands up is going to embolden somebody else to do it. And then you have to do that. So these employees, and I understand they could lose their jobs. I understand. You know, that that can be painful. But you're going to have to do this stuff because otherwise you're going to be in a work environment where you are treated like you're treated like shit. You're told you can't have an opinion. You can't. Well, this is all part of what we were talking about last time, the Marxist reeducation of America. That's been going on for years. And you'll talk to millennials. You'll talk to people that have gone through the college system and they've been thoroughly, thoroughly indoctrinated by Marxism. And they'll they'll couch it in terms of environmentalism or feminism or, um, you know, being an ally or being a, what, what's the term for racial, not race conscious. Cause that's a, that's a problematic term, but, um, anti-discrimination or whatever. They're all problematic so, terms, but, but, but they're, they'll couch their Marxism in every other thing to, to hide the fact that they're Marxist. But here now they're blatant about it. Yeah. We're Marxist. Fuck you. But, you know, we keep saying the the liberals don't understand, the moderate liberals don't understand that the Antifa people will come for you last. They'll come for you, but they'll come for you last. It's absolutely not true. They'll come for them first. Because where are they doing this? They're doing this in the liberal cities. Is yeah. this going on in Nashville? Is this going on in... Well, this is what's in, dangerous right now, though, is that you've got people immediately now getting into politics, getting elected or getting appointed into, into, into city councils or into uh, local governments that are avowedly anti-American. Right. Uh, you've got Black Lives Matter, um, a former or a, a current Black Lives Matter protester that's now in city council talking about how, you know, we need to disrupt the system. It's like how. So basically he's getting in, he's infiltrating the system to destroy it from within. And it's blatant. They're, they're saying that's what we're doing. Right. But the other side of this is look at, uh, was it Lisa Bender? She's the head of the uh, Minneapolis City Council. She's yeah. the president of yep. it or whatever. Uh, the chair. What I can't remember. What uh, the call president, I believe. Okay. So she, she got voted in basically by about 7,500 votes in a city of almost half a million people. It doesn't take much to get rid of these people. And now in Minneapolis, there's a whole movement of black community leaders saying, no, 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 no. You cannot defund the police. You are putting us at risk. Yeah. And so they're starting to speak up and they're starting to rally. And so this is happening in the liberal cities. I mean, um, who's the Seattle mayor? I can't remember her name now. 
Oh, Jen, yeah. Durkin. Yeah, yep. Um, so she, uh, this socialist chick, the uh, the Indian woman. Uh, Kama Sawant. Yeah. Led people to uh, Mayor Durkin's house to protest her, and they sprayed spray-painted stuff on her sidewalk that said, like, no justice, no sleep, bitch, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so now these two very lefty people are fighting each other. Yeah. This isn't happening to conservatives. The conservative things already happen. So, you know, this is the collapsitarian part of me. But there's, yeah, you're right. That's saying, you know, let these let these bad dogs fight it out. But you know what I think is going to happen from it? What? I think the uh, the wishy-washy, middle-of-the-road um, liberals are going to capitulate to the hardcore leftists. And the hardcore leftists are going to win out. But you could certainly say that it's possible. But if you look at it historically, that's not usually what happens. Well, we've got look multiple, at, multiple city councils that have avowed Marxists on them across I, the country. I get that. But look at what happened in the, in the Carter administration. Okay? The Carter administration gets you Ronald Reagan. And I'm sorry, the Obama administration gets you Donald Trump. True. There is a point where people in the middle just go, fuck this shit. I'm tired of this. And what's going to happen is going to happen in, you know, it used to be Baltimore and Cleveland and places like that, Detroit. Now it's going to be Minneapolis and Seattle. Yeah. And, that are going to be circling the drain like that. And it's going to, there's a point where enough people are going to look around and go, this is bullshit. And they may not be conservatives, <coughs> but they're going to stop voting for all these super lefty people. Yeah, let's talk about a quote that my, uh, my representative, Elon Omar. You shouldn't have voted for him. <laughs> Here's a quote from her. As long as our economy and political systems prioritize profit without considering who is profiting, who is being shut out, we will perpetuate this inequality. So we cannot stop at the criminal justice system, Elon Omar said. We must begin the work of dismantling the whole system of oppression wherever we find it. So um, she's saying that not only our our social justice system, or when you put... When you put in a qualifier in front of justice, it's no longer justice. But our justice system and our and our uh, economic system are evil, according to her. So you're basically saying she's one of those that say, "Oh, I love America, but I fucking hate the system." Crow, you are unfairly characterizing what she meant when she said what she said what she meant. Mm. Well, she has a she has a she has a, a unfamiliarity with English, right? Because what she said, yes, she's yes. not she's it's she, not her native language. She doesn't words goodly, according <laughs> yeah. to Nancy Pelosi. So here's another person. Um, so the Seattle woman we're talking about, this this one that this Kama Siwant, um, she's avowed socialist, but she's really a Marxist. And she warned uh, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, who's this fucking liberal. Is this Kama what? Kama Sutra? Kama, Kama Sutra. I, I read her that's book. What, I, that's what we're going to call I liked her. From it. Na- we're calling her that from now on. Uh, she goes to Bezos. Um, she said, we're coming for you. So she says, uh, I have a message for Jeff Bezos and his, and his class. And this is all what the Marxists do. The class warfare is, is just part, part and parcel to what they do. Uh, so she goes, if you attempt again to overturn the Amazon tax, working people, and that's another term they use, working people, that's communist, working people will go all out in the thousands to defeat you. And we will not stop there because you see, we are fighting for far more than this tax. We are preparing the ground for a different kind of society. And if you, Jeff Bezos, want to drive that process forward by lash, 
lashing out against us in our modest demands, then so be it, because we are coming for you and your rotten system. And what you, oh, there's more to it. I guess we must continue. We are coming to dismantle this deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system of capitalism. The police state. We cannot and will not stop until we overthrow it and replace it with a world based instead on uh, solidarity, genuine democracy, and equality. A socialist world. Thank you. She is an anti-American through and through. Hates America. Everything America represents, she is the antithesis of. Why is she in a position of political power? I heard someone on Beck's show, uh, it was the same woman commenting on this whole white fragility stuff and the whiteness test. She, Beck asked her the same question, and she said, because even though Seattle is to the left, they used to be much more moderate. And she got in there as sort of the, oh, you know, here, we'll have a socialist on. You know, it wasn't a big deal. And her big issue was, hey, you shouldn't be able to buy cable because other people can't buy cable. So why should you be able to yeah, have if it? If they That's can't afford it, why yeah. should you? Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to suffer equally. So, you know, people have sort of come and gone, and she's still been there. And so she's one of the longest-serving members, and she's accumulated more power. And now she's got these Antifa thugs who are backing her. But let me tell you how this is going to play out, all right? She's going to cause some shit for someone like Bezos, and he's already said they are not – they've got a hiring freeze in the city of Seattle, okay? So they're not hiring any more people there. Microsoft, a while back, was pretty smart and moved their headquarters to Redmond, which is like 25 miles away. It's a suburb. They don't have to deal with any of this shit. So Bezos has said he's not renewing any, any leases on any buildings they own for office – or don't own for office space downtown, and they're going to sort of start quietly moving away. All the, in the meantime, he's going to say, "Hey, you know what? Why don't I uh, why don't I throw a hundred million dollars at uh, you know uh, helping the homeless and some things like that?" Blah blah blah. And he's going to go, "That better calm her down." And if it doesn't, one of the richest men in the world is going to financially take this woman out. And the way he's going to do it is the same way they did it with uh, they shut AOC up for a while in New York when they said. Well, we're not coming there. Here's all those jobs you lost or whatever. The difference is Seattle will feel this 10 times worse than New York ever did because this is Seattle's one of their uh, main economic generators. And if Bezos starts saying behind the scenes, you better get this crazy bitch locked up, yeah, it will happen. If he goes, hey, cops, you better make sure she's not doing these marches and stuff like that. The, the new mayor, whoever that is, is going to go – we better adopt a hardcore, uh, a hardcore pro Amazon movement. You don't have to be left or right to do that. You can just start saying under the guise of we need more civility and we need a little more safety and blah blah blah. They'll do whatever. Just like the city of Redmond is very pro Microsoft and does what Microsoft needs them to do. But in the meantime, you get things like what's happening in Minneapolis. You've got um, our city council destroying the city, basically. Right. In the meantime. And people here are like me are going, well, do I stay and fight or do I get the fuck out? Well, last time I, I was impassioned and telling people you have to stand and fight. Well, here I am getting the fuck out. Right. Um, but w w how do you fight? How do you stay and fight? But this is no different than you're in a bar and a guy's getting in your face and stuff. And you say, you know what? I don't need to deal with this here. I'm going to go outside. I'm leaving. Yeah. And he follows you outside. That changes everything. And so if you get out of Minneapolis because that city is going to fall apart, 
because this shit started happening before you woke up to it. Now you've well, now you've realized this, and whatever city you move into, if it, in the suburbs, if it starts doing shit like this, you show up and you go, "We're not having this." Well, it's a good it's a good analogy. If you if you go if you have a favorite bar you've been going to for ten years, and all of a sudden they hire a manager who is a piece of shit, and the manager hires more people that are pieces of shit, and all of a sudden the clientele becomes pieces of shit. And all of a sudden you go in there one day and you're like, wait a minute, this is not my bar anymore. This is a bar for pieces of shit. Um, what do you do? You can't, you have no power in that situation to do anything. Right. But the next time you're in a bar, you like in the manager, they hire as a piece of shit. You go, you go to the owner and say, say, stop it. Hey, right. listen, yeah. you know, you can't have this guy in here anymore. I want, I want to talk yeah. to the manager. Yeah. Okay. So, Karen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but I, I was, since we're talking about it, so the um, what happened in Minneapolis here now, um, they're ta- they they're going forward with the defunding the police bullshit, right? Yeah, um, but they won't. They can't. So do many it. police. Yeah, but in the meantime, what, they're causing real damage because yeah. uh, how many how many police have quit now? I, I think three hundred. It's it's a is it's it a, that high? It's a crazy. I, I could be I could be wrong about that, but it's it's a, it's it's a crazy amount of police that are either calling in sick consistently. Or quit outright quitting or taking early retirement. Calling in sick consistently, I can I would not be surprised to see it hits a hundred, but the last number I heard was like a month ago that you had forty five that quit and fifteen no, fifteen that quit and forty five that took early retirement. Okay. Maybe I'm Something just like putting everything together with like non shows and all that. But but now there's an article from the Alpha News that says Twin Cities Violent Crime Task Force is formed to combat extraordinary spike in crime. Right. Okay, where's that money coming from then? I don't know. Um, so the article is from, uh, well, it's, it's bylines Minnesota crime, so there's no nobody takes credit for this, but it goes, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Minnesota, Erica McDonald, has announced the formation of a violent crime task force in response to the surge in violent crime being experienced in Twin Cities. Isn't that exactly the opposite of what all the city council and all the Black Lives Matter and all the protesters said, you know, you have to dismantle this racist, uh, misogynistic, uh, white supremacy system. And all of a sudden now um, the district attorney for Minnesota is uh, forming a task force, a violent crime task force. Isn't that the whole point? They weren't they supposed to dismantle that thing, that stuff, not build it, not create it. Oh, but they're now they're going to, they haven't done it right before this time. They're going to do it right. But this, again, this feeds into my going back to the Bezos thing going to this thing and one other subject I want to get on that we're going to get heated about is uh, my belief that capitalism fixes everything because what's going to happen with companies like Target and Honeywell, all these uh, Medtronic companies in Minneapolis, um, you know, the Vikings, the uh, twins, you know, the big concert venues, they're going to say, Hey, you know what? Black Lives Matter, all that stuff's important, blah, blah, blah. They're going to post their stuff on their Facebook page. They're going to wear their little armbands in their sporting events and say, we're in support of you. And behind the scenes, those companies are going to go to the to the mayor and say, whoever the new mayor is going to be, because Fry's going to get run out, and go, you better lock this shit down or we're going to start moving out of here. Yeah. We don't want to look bad publicly, but we're well, not going to be. Have you heard anything about what Honeywell's stance on any of this is? Oh, I'm, I'm sure all of their stances right now are, hey, this is awesome. Now, Target learned its lesson about that a while back with God, the gender-neutral gender bathrooms. Because they did the gender-neutral bathrooms. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of people I know who work for Target was like, this is going to be a mistake. And then 
because it was a new CEO who said they were going to, and they had all the protests and their stock dropped about 10%, which it took like two years to recover from. And that CEO apparently said behind closed doors, that's the last time we're overtly political. Yeah. You know? And so again, capitalism, I think is going to protect us from some of that stuff. Is Minneapolis going to experience a downturn? Absolutely. Is it going to turn into Detroit? Maybe. And Seattle might do the same thing. But the point is, it takes money leaving these cities for people to start getting smart. And that's what makes it work. You know, in socialism, they just take your money and they just keep shoving it into a bad system. In capitalism, the money gets shut off. Yeah. And you have to fix it, which I think is what's great. So, yeah, but in the meantime... Um, every, everything has ups and downs. Yeah. You know, everything goes bad and gets better and gets bad again, and that just happens. It just sucks that we're close to it. But there's a lot of big cities this isn't happening in because people aren't letting it happen. And when I say the left is going to eat the left first, I mean it because Antifa is going to go after, you know... Everybody in every town they can. And just like all these riots happened in liberal-run cities because they allowed the first window to be broken and the first car to be vandalized yep. and all that stuff, and the cops didn't come in and say, get the fuck out of here. Well, you heard what happened in Atlanta's occupied zone, right, down by the down by the Wendy's? So the Atlanta, oh, they, yeah, they finally said enough. That yeah. little eight-year-old girl got killed, and the mayor and that, goes, this is not a cop problem. This is a violence problem and everything. And she told the cops on Sunday, clear that place out. And the cops did. By Monday afternoon, it right. was done. So we still have areas in Minneapolis on Chicago and 38th that are basically their own mini chop zone. So they've got the streets are all blocked off. They've brought in barricades. I think the city actually even brought in barricades. Yeah, because the, the, streets. the city has to yeah. help with this stuff. And the problem is if you have if Seattle was a conservative town, they would go, this is our area. And the, the mayor may not go in there and say, clear those motherfuckers out. But you're not going to get porta potties brought to you. You're not going to have yeah. food shipped in. You are not going to be able to have the infrastructure to feed this stuff. Yeah, and which, that happens in every fucking. Which is what city. Minneapolis yep. they're doing. Minneapolis, D.C., San Francisco, Seattle—they're all having their autonomous zone. I just drove by the uh, the the quote unquote memorial for George Floyd on 30th in Chicago, and they're actually building structures. They're building like they're they're building. Like, Do they have permits? Yeah, so they're trying to turn it into their little their little um you know encampment. Seriously, you want to put a deck on your house? You yeah. need a permit. Yep. I would send a sit if I was the mayor. I'd just send an inspector well, down there and, and say, "Hey, and you know what? We've got to have a permit." You're for negatively this. affecting businesses in that area. The businesses that have already been gutted and destroyed by the rioting, they're trying to rebuild as we speak. They're trying to reopen as we speak. And guess what? It's getting it's so difficult for people to visit these establishments because getting off of the major freeway, uh, 35W, getting off it in that area is almost impossible because you run into these. Um, blocked roads. But this is what happens when you have a city council full of activists who don't know how to lead. So now these business people are coming to them and saying, you need to do something. And they're going, well, but we support Black Lives Matter. People are saying, well, what the hell does that mean? I'm losing my business here. I can't, patrons can't come to my business. Yeah. And they have no concept on how to fix this. Because well, they, they don't have to govern. They just have to bitch you know yeah 
and show their support and be an ally. And that's not leading, you know? Did I tell you, I don't think I brought this up. Um, I know somebody that uh, owns a business right on uh, Chicago and Lake, which is right where all the the violence and the, the looting and the burning down of businesses happened. And um, they were talking about um, after after the third day of, of violence when they actually brought in the National Guard. Um, and it calmed down, but still there were people going around like after after hours or like right at dusk, whatever with, so a guy was going around painting on buildings, on businesses with the boarded up windows with boarded. Is this the fuck 12 stuff? Nope. He was, he was painting all lives matter on businesses in white paint, big white letters with a white bucket brush, black guy doing this. And the business owner went and confronted him and he goes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm just painting all lives matter. And he goes, Why? It was, oh, because, you know, because, you know why he's doing it? Why? It was targeting businesses that aren't black owned. Tar- really? Targeting them for dis- more destruction, more violence. Really? Because by putting All Lives Matter on that, it's going, fuck you, to Black Lives Matter. And he, as a black man, was doing that saying, hey, this is a white owned business. Fuck this business up. Really? Yep. And I know personally, personally, the person that owns the business that caught the guy doing that. And what did he do? He just said, oh, fuck you. Finished painting it. Went on to the next business and did the same thing. Really? Yeah. So that's the kind of mindset we're dealing with, with these fuckers. It's not good enough that they fucking destroyed the area. They want to go back and they want to just obliterate it and make it so that you can't rebuild. So that you can't because you're too scared to rebuild because no matter what you do, um, there was businesses down there that I know were white-owned businesses that put in spray paint on their businesses, on the plywood, on their windows, black-owned business. Really? Yeah. There's a couple, I'm not going to name them, but there was a couple of businesses that did that that were right next door or a couple doors away from a business that was completely burned to the ground. And the day day after you saw a black-owned business spray-painted on the on the windows, knowing, I knowing full well that that business was not black-owned. Really? <laughs> That's how ridiculous this has gotten. Did you paint White Lives Matter on it? Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> you know, at this point. Well, again, back to my theme of capitalism fixes everything. There are only so many of these people available, you know, to do this kind of stuff. These these sorts of revolutions can't they can't sustain themselves, you know. Can we agree that capitalism fixes everything, but it has to go hand in hand with people that are moral to back but it up? I don't think I I don't think I even have to try and agree with that because I think most people are moral. Most people, given a choice between good and bad, will choose good. Oh. What, are you some sort of secular humanist? No, I, th- I think you would find that, I would think you would find that to be true. I think capitalism takes into account um, the pe- people that aren't norm. Capitalism takes into account greed. It takes into account people want to get ahead and they want to do better than other people. Right. And that capitalism takes into account that greed and it says, okay, we're going to harness that and make it work for society. So it's, it's capitalism is saying, hey, we understand people are innately greedy and we want to make that, you know, we don't want to try to tamp that down because you can't get rid of that instinct to, to want to get more, to better yourself or get better for, than somebody else. Um, well, but- so you take that into account as capitalism, but you have to have, on the other hand, you have to have a moral kind of political system or moral people in order to keep that. Um, from expanding into like the dystopia of the corporations that are basically the governments, you know? 
Well, but again, this is how you, and this is one of the problems I have with the anti-capitalists all the time. It depends on how you define the terms. I think most people are moral. I think most people would say greed is bad. But what you say is greed, I can say is ambition. And most yeah. people say ambition is good. And so it's okay to do well. You know, it's okay to want to do better than the guy next to you. You know, but the part, the self-limiting part about capitalism is, as Ben Shapiro has pointed out, you only get rich by making many, many transactions that are mutually beneficial to people. Jeff Bezos did not get all of his money because he stole it from a bunch of poor people. He provided products that people went, you know what? That's worth yeah. the money I will be exchanging for. Yeah, you only get rich within capitalism by doing yes. that. Uh, you can get rich in other ways in other systems <laughs> yeah. by being an asshole, being a dictator, or being a crony. Or, but capitalism yeah. is self-limiting. And so what happens in cities like this that start to fall apart and the, the money starts to leave, they can't sustain this kind of stuff. And pretty soon the only people left are the fuckers who burned it down because they can't get out of town. Yeah. You know? And there's only so much of this before people run out of space. And again, if you go back and study the American Revolution, you realize how phenomenal it was that that revolution even worked. Because most revolutions don't. They end poorly for the people who start them. Yeah. A.K.A. the French Revolution. French Revolution. Which is what the Mar a lot of Marxists point to as, as their, as their go-to. Right. A, this is, our, this is our, our template. This is what we're going to use. And their failing in that was the American Revolution was, hey, I want my space and leave me the hell alone. I just want to be able to live my life which most people can get behind. The French Revolution was, I want to enforce morality on people because people aren't moral enough, so we're going to make them moral, which is exactly what's happening now. And pretty soon, Robespierre got his head chopped off. So I think my problem with you saying that most people are good or deep down want to do good by other people, my problem with that is that I think that's not true like intrinsically as humans. I don't think that's true. I think it's it might be true like socially based on, you know, like Western culture or even some Eastern cultures um, or even some even Middle Eastern cultures have that kind of like, you know, do, do do good by your neighbor kind of stuff. That's like intrinsic to the culture, but I don't think it's universal. I don't think it's a human universal thing. I think um, it's been built over time by different cultures, but some cultures don't benefit or don't uh, exemplify that. And an example, and I know this sounds racist, but the black community as a whole does not have that ingrained in their culture. Well, that's I don't know. ingrained in their culture is that they glorify getting one over on somebody else. Well, if you get one over on somebody, then then you are elevated. You have you have achieved something. This is this is something to be um, uh, emulated and and uh, um, celebrated. And and I'm not the only guy saying this. Just some white guy. I don't identify as black today, but some white guy saying this. It's you talk to conservative black people that have grown up in that, and they go, "Yeah, that's the problem right now." with the black community is that they um, glorify getting over on somebody. Well, I don't deny that that happens. I don't necessarily agree that that's a majority of black people. So we can just, we're yeah. not going to necessarily yeah, agree on that. Prove it. Yeah. But my point with this is in, and you know, these examples don't exist in a vacuum, but when you have relatively relative social equilibrium, in other words, you're not saying, hey, to a person who's generally moral, Amazon sent me this free book. You know, do I, do I uh, you know, email them and send them their seven bucks or do I go, fucking Jeff Bezos can pay for it, you know? 
that is something where the calculus is so out of whack. For me personally, I would be like, I got a free book. I'd send him the money because that would bother me. I don't know if most people go that far or not, but I wouldn't necessarily say a person is immoral if they don't do that. I wouldn't say a person is immoral if, you know, you're talking a Les Miserables sort of situation where they can't. Yeah, I'm talking about. They're stealing bread to feed their family. Yeah, if if you boil it down to, if you get into desperate straits, desperate situations, what do you do? Do you stand on principle? Do you not hurt another person who's innocent? Or do you hurt somebody for yourself and your family? You're going to hurt somebody for yourself and your family. Is that moral? I don't know. Probably ah, depends on your on your viewpoint of that. You know, if you're if you're looking after your family, but what if it's just you by yourself and you either starve or you rob somebody, and they'll end up you know you take their shit and they might starve. Okay, well as a human being, you're gonna rob somebody and take their shit so you don't starve. That's innately human. Well, the survival aspect. Is yeah, human. to me it's that not moral. That's different in the post apocalyptic a post apocalyptic world, and we're all living in the woods. Yeah. You know, it's different if I walk into Target. But I think innately like, we are. We're selfish innately. I think I think when you put layers of civilization on top of us, you can add morality to that, which is good. I think that's good. Religious religion is part of that to, to add layers of morality to us. And government to some degree is supposed to do that too. And I think that's a good thing. But I think if you break us down to what we are basically, we are selfish. Well, in We're, a survival in, mode, yes. Yeah. But I think so. most people, if they felt like they had a little extra – would give a little extra. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most people, I don't know. It, it depends on the culture. I think it's cultural. I yeah, think it might I be. think you look at a whole swath of certain cultures that go, no, 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 that's not right. We're not. And that's part of the socialism and the, and the Marxism you talk about. Um, when you talk about the left and the right, who gives more to charity? It's conservatives that give more to charity because we believe. Oh, but you can't count churches, you know. Yeah, but you, money I'm churches not religious give po- and, and I give to charity. Money, right? uh, money churches give poor people doesn't count. Yeah. So what they're talking about is the socialist, the people with the socialist or the or the hive mindset, the communist mindset. They go, well, it's not my personal responsibility. Right. It's it's it's, it's the government. It's the government or it's others' per, per, uh, others' responsibility, and that's not right. But that right. that comes down to cultural. So I don't think it's intrinsic. I think it's I think it's learned. Well, we disagree. Okay. Well, it was interesting anyway. All right. Here's the other thing we disagree on. That I want to get some would you rather's. Uh, the Washington Redskins which is not a racist name when you consider the, uh, the origin of it, the football team. They, uh, they're going to change their name, apparently, to the Warriors, the Washington Warriors. Um, and Daniel Snyder, the jackass billionaire owner, and I say jackass because that appears to be the universal feeling about him, not because he owns a team with, an, with a so-called racist name, just because apparently he's a jackass. Uh, never met the guy, but... That's the universal opinion. Um, the origin of that name comes in. I can't remember the chief and exactly when it was said, but you can look this up. Uh, there was a chief speaking about white people and Indians getting along, and he used the term redskins and paleskins. That was his. Most tribes, when surveyed on this, don't have a problem with the name. So Daniel Snyder had said, because he's kind of belligerent apparently, he said, the name will never change. You can put that in caps. And all these leftists have been screaming about it, protesting it for years and years and years. Same kind of people who are Marxists and hate capitalism, you know. Well, guess what got them to change their name? Capitalism. (laughs) Because FedEx, who pays seven-something million dollars a year to have their name on the field, said, Washington's field, they're like, uh, not liking this so much. And they had a bunch of sponsors, Nike and all that said, 
eh, not liking this so much. So Daniel Snyder, who has enough money to say, fuck you. I'll call them the, uh, you know, Washington scalpers if I want to, you know. The NFL couldn't make him do it. You know, he, he just decided, all right, fine, I'll do it. The part I love about this is not that they're changing their name. I don't care about their name. I don't watch the NFL anymore. I just, I don't care. The NFL is full of virtue signaling dumbasses anyway. Um, but I love that this thing that the leftists say they hate, they had to use another thing they said they hate to make it work. And it's the utter hypocrisy of it that I just revel in. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> well, you're wondering where the what what uh, Indian said. The yeah, uh, uh, Chief Wild Eagle. There's a quote from him that says, uh, "Don't let the name Wild Eagle fool you. I had changed it from Yellow Chicken, um, like all the Indian characters portrayed in F Troop." <laughs> <laughs> he speaks with a mock American Indian accent and semi-broken English. <laughs> I don't think this is the one I'm referring to oh, okay. historically. Remember F Troop? Do you ever yes. watch that? Yep. Uh, the, I can still sing I the love, song. I in love my head. the song. Yeah. yeah. Where pale face and red skin both turn chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the guy gets the the arrow with the bugle. He's like, ah. yeah. F Troop. Yeah, I love that. I love that show. Yeah, it was a great show. Um. All right, hold on. A Do second. you know what the sp- not the spinoff show, but there were two guys who left that show. They were the like the sergeant and the corporal. Um, they were under the major. You know, this is a comedy from the seventies. Do you know what show they went to after that? Uh, would that be Larry Storch and yep. Forrest Tucker? Yep. No. A show called Ghostbusters. It was a Sunday morning sort of uh, Hanna Barbera kind of show where they. Went around with this guy in a big ape costume, huh. uh, solving. Uh, was it a cartoon? No, it was a live action show. Oh, never even heard of that one. Yeah, look it up. Ghostbusters. Wow. All right. But the guy in the gorilla suit was named Kong. So it was Spencer, Tracy, and Kong. They were the Ghostbusters. I still have the song in my head. That's weird. I've never seen this. That's Look it up. You huh. can see it. Yeah. It's from the 70s, early or mid-70s. Hmm. Ghostbusters. I don't know if it was Hanna Barbaria, but it was the same kind of show. And they showed that like syndication, they'd show that like Saturday mornings? Sunday mornings. Weird. Yeah, and I remember it as a kid because, you know, Sunday morning was not good cartoon stuff. Right. So you're just looking for whatever you could find on TV that wasn't church. Yep. You know? Yep. And wasn't some talk show. So. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some Would You Rathers. Well, I've got a new, a new thing here. This is not Would You Rather. What is it? This is 3,000 questions about me. Okay. So, so no Would You Rathers here. Did you give up on Would You Rathers? Or? Yeah, I just thought we'd maybe switch to this for a while. Okay. Thanks, so, for, uh, thanks for letting me know. Yeah, yeah. So it's made by the same company that made the, the book we had before. So, all right, we're going to start with question number one. We're just going to go, like, straight through. Yeah, of, except you'll skip them. You'll yeah. be like, that one's dumb. I just want to know, like, we do this show together, don't we? <laughs> He's making these unilateral decisions now. Rooster. That's fine. What is your idea of perfect happiness? can't say that here mm-hmm. I thinking, i'm probably i'm probably simpatico with you did it start does it start with a b uh might <laughs> uh, no a bj I, in silence <laughs> there was i will put it this way you had a um pinterest page mm. where you put some stuff up and yeah. there was a saying yeah on one of your pinterest uh posts yep. and i'm like yeah exactly before they went all sjw and, and got rid of all that stuff 
Yeah, but you don't have to repeat it. But nope. you know the you know the saying I'm talking about. Yep, yep that nailed it. All right. Well, well uh, people will just have to guess at what that is. Um, what is your greatest fear? What's what's your perfect, perfect happiness? happiness? Yeah. Bj and silence. <laughs> okay. Bj and the bear, the movie. You know. Okay. Love yeah. That and just being everybody being quiet and watching it attentively. Do you like silence while you're watching the show? Yeah, I want. I, well, no, I want the show to have. Or sound. do you want close caption? No, I don't want. Or do you want cap- a lot of enthusiasm while you're watching the show? <laughs> I want enthusiasm. Yeah, want, and then I you want, want then you want silence yes. after the into- yeah. Though okay, yes. okay. <laughs> so, what is your greatest fear? <laughs> the IRS. <laughs> I'm um, only half kidding. They fucking terrify me. Uh, a greatest fear, or like maybe even a phobia. The reason I fear the IRS is not anything illegal I'm doing, but it's just the absolute power they have to fuck your life up. Yeah. They're, they're judge, jury, and executioner. I hate that. Yeah. I hate it. Well, uh, let's go back to talking about Lois Lerner. Yeah, exactly. And what she pulled and, and what she got away with. So um, my greatest fear, I think, I mean, if you think of phobias, I've got a fear of heights. So I've never, I would never go like skydiving. I can... I can be comfortable on like a one store, the roof of a one story building. But when you get up to the second story, if I'm like on a ladder, I'm, I'm, you know, death grip. I can't, I'm, I, I remember can't function. wasn't too long after I met you, I called you, we'd known each other for like a couple months and I called you and you're like, yeah. And you were like, oh, weird on the phone. You're like, uh, I gotta go. I'm on a ladder. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, a, a really tall, like ladder that is up on a second story. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. It was too, too tall for me. So yeah, I guess a fear of heights is pretty good for me. Honestly, my, my honest, sincere, greatest fear is something happening to my kids. Yeah. I can see that. Makes sense. So I had, I had a dream the other night that my youngest and I were fishing, like in a fishing boat someplace and another boat crashed into us. And he had just gone down below to use the bathroom. Hmm. And in my dream, our boat is sinking like Ooh. fast. And What's I'm that? thinking. That's a nightmare. That's not a dream. And I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get in there? You yeah. know? And I woke up like that. And I was, it was like four in the morning. I'm like, well, I'm not going back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You don't want to slip back into that dream. No, you just, you, you're too amped up. Yeah. You know? Heart's racing. So. All right. What, uh, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself, Rooster? I know what mine is. What? Procrastination. I was thinking about that, but I was going to get back to it later. Ha! <laughs> I see um, what you did it, there. It might be procrastination, but um, I don't know. Sometimes I I don't. My, my temper is pretty quick, and it flares off pretty fast. Um, sometimes I wish I wasn't so quick to get mad. Hmm. But you don't deplore it. Fuck off. <laughs> Want to do a few more? Yeah. They're pretty fast. Uh, what is your greatest extravagance? So what do you? What have you splurged on? Uh, like some is, people have like fancy watches. This they, is funny because every time my wife or my mom or anybody asks me what I want for Christmas or my birthday, I go nothing because I don't need any more stuff. Um, but what's like the thing that's a little bit ostentatious you have or that you – that people go, oh, this guy. When you say I have this or own this, there's not a thing. Yeah. Honest to God, there's not a thing I have that's yeah. ostentatious. Yeah, I mean, I've I've contemplated buying a nice watch, like a fancy watch yeah. in the past, but I haven't done it. So that's pretty much as close as I've gotten to having extravagance. Like he, here's how non-ostentatious I am. I have a uh, I have a laptop that I bought like 
eight years ago still works, but the fan is starting to go off on it. And so it heats up a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's giving me that warning goes, hey, your fan's heating up. As long as I don't do any, if I'm just like checking email and all that stuff on it, it's not a big deal. You no, know, you can buy those little things. You can put your uh, laptop on that have fans in them. Yeah. Them off. It works. But this is the kind of thing where if I'm not watching like longer YouTube videos or something, because it doesn't have a good graphics card in it, um, it'll heat up. Nothing's happened, but it's like, hey, if it keeps heating up, something could happen. And I'm thinking, I should just buy a new laptop. I bought this one like five, six years ago. And I'm going, you know, if I bought one, why don't I pay for the graphics card and have a cool laptop and... And I'm looking at it going, They're like 1500 bucks, And I'm going, I can afford it. But that to me seems crazy. Yeah. Something I I will use every day for the next seven yeah, or eight years. Yeah. And I'm going, I don't know if I want to spend 1500 bucks on it. So yeah, I think my greatest extravagance is probably the amount that I go out and eat. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Which is also the characteristic I hate in myself the most. <laughs> Uh, what's your current state of mind? I know what yours is. What? Fuck everybody. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Mine's, angry anxiety, maybe. <laughs> mine's mixed. I mean, yeah, I, I've got I've got pessimistic anxiety is what I have right I have right now. Uh, my my business is kicking me in the balls right now just because of the whole COVID thing. Um, you know, so there's some anxiety in that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's not overwhelming, I'm sure, but no, it's not. And in the end, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, you know. But I'm I'm building up more debt than I want to. Not yeah. debt that I can't handle, and not debt that I won't have paid off. Assuming the entire economy doesn't 1920s on us, which I don't think it will. Um, but at the same time, you know my my kids are healthy. You know my family's good. I live in a nice house. I can afford the stuff I've got. I've got, you know, I don't have payments on cars or anything like that to handle. And so, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of a, a, a low key, low key anxiety, yeah. you know, with, uh, with enough sort of mixed into like, know when you got it good kind of stuff. Yeah. I think most people right now would say there's some level of anxiety they have, but most things that like should worry me right now, they don't worry me. Yeah. Like the whole COVID thing. I'm like, I'm not worried. Yeah, COVID doesn't bother me, but it's the societal breakdown that's bothering me right now. But I, I do find I have way less patience for bullshit because of my level of anxiety. Like yeah. if they pass the Minnesota wear a mask thing, I'm half tempted to just go, I'm not going to do it. But I know what's going to happen the first time somebody goes, where's your fucking mask? Yeah. I'm not just going to be like, whatever, and walk away. Yeah. That's that temper thing that's going to kick in. And I'm going to go, fuck you, you know? Yeah, so. fuck off. All right. Well, those are pretty good. We'll, we'll stick with those for the yeah, next we'll few. Yeah, we'll stick with those. Um, so the other thing I have uh, left on my list here is uh, I don't remember this officer's first name, but Officer Lane, who was the veteran of four days on the force when he helped hold uh, George, uh, George Floyd down, he, uh, he is he's uh, trying to get the entire case dismissed. Hmm. His lawyer is now his lawyer is Thomas guy, Lane. Thomas Lane. Now his uh, lawyer is a guy named Earl Gray, who is a big time defense attorney in this era area. And he and I wish I could remember what the name of this tactic he's or this motion or brief he's filed. <coughs> but he it basically um, <coughs> is demanding some evidence of the prosecution that, um, and I can't remember if it's making it public or what. 
And the, what I heard from another defense attorney is that in doing so, it's sort of dangerous because you're shifting the burden of proof from the from the uh, pretrial, from the uh, prosecution to the defense. Hmm. But the person who was saying this too said, Earl Gray is a sharp attorney, and if he's using this rarely used defense, this might be saying something. And the point they brought up was uh, they found multiple other um, counterfeit bills in George George Floyd's car. So they're starting to paint a picture of, hey, this is not your law-abiding, you know, gentle giant. It's more of a criminal enterprise that he was engaged in, as yep. opposed to just accidentally giving, getting, receiving a bad bill and passing yep. a bad bill. He had those in his. You know, if if somebody passed a bad bill, I I wouldn't just assume that they were a counterfeiter. No, I would be like, hey, it could happen. Yeah, you got it from somebody else. Yeah, I mean, who who really knows? Um, so. Uh, that along with the traces of drugs in a system, and like you have pointed out before, they'll say, oh, well, traces. Well, yeah, but it was traces of several drugs, and one thing was fentanyl. And a trace of fentanyl is not a small amount. And also the person who called the police from the convenience store said, this guy's acting like he's on drugs. And two of the cops, because he was originally in the car, and he said, I can't breathe, and I'm freaking out a little bit. And I can't remember the term they used for it, but they basically said, we think this one is someone who's having a drug-induced sort of episode. Yeah. You know, like we may say it's wiling out or something like that. This is more along the lines of they think it's, they think, hey, this guy could be dangerous because. Yeah, some sort of like psychosis, like it's uh, drug related. Yeah, but it's like sort of the beginning. Coming coming down off of it. No, coming down, but you become more dangerous. Yeah. So. um, Because you become agitated. Right. But now they say there is body cam footage that they're not releasing all of. And there's some things in this body cam footage that will show that they can't prosecute the case the way they want to prosecute it. Yeah, it says the Earl Gray filed that motion to dismiss charges. He said he submitted, Gray submitted a series of transcripts and other evidence in the case to support the motion to dismiss the charges. Two of the transcripts provided were from body-worn cameras and further doc, that further, or and further document the moments of, well, I guess they they, they misprinted this, but that fur, further document the moments before Floyd's death, which has been ruled a homicide. And then another transcript was from an interview um, that Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension conducted with Lane while Gray was president, present. So, yeah, um, so the body cam, body cam footage uh, and transcripts now, he's saying, are enough to dismiss charges? I, I think he's building a case for why this could be dismissed. So I don't know what all this means. I'm I'm a fake attorney. I mean, I know, I've always said this, I know a lot more about the law than your average just non-lawyer, but I'm way out of my depth on this one. Yeah. But hearing these other defense attorneys talk about it, they said, you know, it's a long shot, but he might have something here. And they also said, this isn't the kind of guy who just comes in off the street and goes, hey, let's swing for the fences and see what happens. But this may this may screw this entire case, not in the sense that they get a mistrial or they get it thrown out, but it's going to change the narrative of it right away. But already yeah. the Star and Trib or some who was it came out with the transcript of this and they cherry picked all the well, stuff out. But and, also the fact that people are trying or the not the fact but the uh, impression people are trying are trying to portray that this uh, officer Chauvin was trying to kill um, Garner, uh, not Garner, uh, George Floyd was ridiculous. Yeah. He wasn't intentionally trying to kill the guy. 
I, I definitely think he's guilty of reckless homicide or something like that. So yeah. I, here's the, here's the problem. Manslaughter here's or the problem. If you're in a jury and you hear everything leading up to this, you go, yeah, maybe him having him down there and having him pass out and not attending to him, a tri- uh, contributed to his, um, um, not surviving, you know, cause yeah. the drugs coming down off the drugs and the being a big guy with a heart condition, being in that position, um, all contributed to him, you know, dying. Um, well, and the callousness on Chauvin's face, whether it's acquired for a reason or not, it's not going to help him. Not going to help, but I, I, I can understand it. But the, but the idea that he was trying to kill this guy is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's because, ridiculous. And, and they're going to have they're going to have reports because I was listening to a morning show where people were calling and going, "Yeah, I've had dealings with this officer before, and he he did the same thing to me when I when I was down on the ground. He had his knee on my neck." Well, and I the, go, the guy just might be a dick. Well, here's the thing. If he's done it multiple times before and it didn't result in the death of the person he's doing to, he's thinking this is a, a, a tactic I use that doesn't yeah, kill someone. That might be true. And I'll bet you that's going to come up in the, in the, in court too. Um, he wasn't, he, and then you see even recent um, video of cops doing the exact same move, even though they know, because they, they know that's how you hold a person down when you're trying to cuff them. You put your knee on their neck to keep them compliant, keep them from wiggling around too much. Um, they're doing it because they know it's not going to generally not going to result in their person's death. At the same time, yeah, I think we both know this. If a guy's cuffed and he's on the ground like that, you don't need to have your knee on him to hold. Oh him yeah, down. and and for eight minutes, and then to see like the guy's totally limp, not resisting whatsoever, and you still keep he's your knee on him, and you've got three other guys with you. You go, okay, at this point, enough is enough. Yeah, and you got your knee on him for another almost two minutes yeah. after that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not justifying the whole act. I'm just saying there's mitigating circumstances that the ju- right. the jury is going to hear. Yep, they're going to hear that, and they're they're going to look at it and say you've overcharged. He him. didn't intend to kill the guy. And he accidentally that he didn't even accidentally, he might not even have killed the guy. The guy might have died from his own heart failure and his own drug use, um, and that he was callous in the fact that he didn't try to resuscitate him. That's all. Yeah, which. That charge for murder, you had to throw it out then. You, they should have stuck with um, uh, manslaughter. Yeah. And that might not even have stuck if you think but about it. Keith Ellison is, from what I hear, a terrible attorney and even more so uh, a political animal. So he's yeah. not, he's not. instead of saying, you know, when people say, hey, we want first-degree murder, go, people, first-degree murder is never going to stick, yeah. you know? He plays up to the crowd and goes, ah, let's do it. And I think, I can't remember if they're second or first degree murder. that they. But if the jury finds that it wasn't one of those, they don't get to go, well, hey, how about this? How about we just do manslaughter? We'll find him guilty of that. Jury doesn't get to do that. The jury just gets what they get. Yeah. So I think they're going to have a hard time making, you know, uh, first degree murder stick. Maybe even second degree murder. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm getting the hell out of the city because yeah. we know what's going to happen. Yeah. There's, there's no such thing as rationality when it comes to any of this kind of shit anymore. No. Um, but I, we're getting late here. We're running late, but I did want to bring this up about uh, Nancy Pelosi. All did, but her te- in, did her teeth fall out again? She all but endorses violent leftists destroying historical monuments. Uh, this is um, uh, from Al- Aiden Salazar. It is from InfoWars, but if you go to just about any site, they'll talk about this. Uh, and there's video of this. So um, Pelosi on leftist mob tearing down Columbus statue. And this is a quote from her. People would do what they do. So this is the uh, this is the quote here. So a reporter asked her, shouldn't, um, you know, when they say the the 
Christopher Columbus statue in Baltimore being torn down. Their reporter goes, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into a harbor? And she goes, people will do what they do. I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission, uh, but it just could be a, a community view. And sometimes it's something that's been there, that view has been there for a while. So she's condoning it. I just want to use that defense. She condoned it. I just want to use that defense for her with everything. Yeah. So when you go, she goes, oh, the president doesn't want to do anything about uh, rising gun crime. She just go, Nancy, the people do what they do. Yeah. And, you know, it's just property, right? Right. So, Nancy, what about your home? Yeah. People do what it's they do. It's just property. People just do if, what they if do. If somebody wants to destroy your home, maybe you should just leave and let them do it. Yeah. Right? Because people just do what they do. Yeah. Well, that's different. That's 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 private property. That's not public property. That's different, Rooster. But, you know, people just do what they do. Yeah. Isn't that disgusting? I know. She is such a piece of shit. I she is. I fucking hate her. She's a horrible human being. Yeah. I, I might even hate her more than I hate Clint, Hillary Clinton. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. I, I actually think I do hate Pelosi more. Hillary Clinton's so fucking condescending. But I, yeah, I mean, I think politically, I would probably agree more with Hillary because she's like a, she's, she's more of a war hawk sometimes, you know? Yeah, I'm not. I've gotten off the Warhawk bandwagon. But I, I'm the kind that's like, I'm not John Bolton Warhawk. Like someone sneezed, yeah. let's launch a missile at him. But, um, and I, I will say this, being a little hawkish, I think Trump has responded to these sort of uh, uh, provocations by other countries better than I would have. You know, like when they shot the drone down and all that stuff. Um, I think Bolton wanted to launch a bunch of missiles at him. Yeah. And Trump was like, eh, we better not. Let's not do that. Um, or when they grabbed our sailors and stuff off that boat and took pictures of them and yeah. put them back on. I, he's let some of that stuff go. I, you know, I would have done something. And I think Hillary's probably closer there. But Nancy Pelosi, I think, politically is almost the almost diametrically opposed to me. Ugh, she's just craving. She, she doesn't have a she talk about no principles. Yeah, she's a she's, disgusting human yeah. being. She's, she's pretty much evil. Uh, she went on to say that the founding fathers wouldn't care whether or not statues were torn down as long as it's done with a country's future in mind. Here's the quote. They would want us to be talking about the future, your future. So everything we do here is about you. They would want it to be about looking forward, not looking back. So let's just think about what are the values, the vision, the perspective that we enshrine and how that benefits our children rather than having a big fight about was somebody worth it? We know they're not worth it if they committed treason against the United States. She she's a fucking first of all, she's saying looking forward, not looking back. That's Marxist talk right there. You destroy history. You destroy history because you want to rebuild history in the image that you want people to well, It's, people it's to not see just it. Marxist, it's a lot of things. You all know. right, it's bad. Right. You, you destroying history is not good because that start that's that's how you you destroy your society, you destroy history, and you change the you change history. That's what she wants to do. But the Founding Fathers argument is sort of stupid because there's a lot of those Founding Fathers who wouldn't have wanted statues. You know, honestly, yeah. you can look. I mean, George Washington, probably one of them. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, probably one of them. John Adams, uh, he probably would have loved statues. Um, 
But, I mean, there are a lot. John Hancock would have loved him some statues. Um, and so they wouldn't want him torn down. So she, But she has no idea. She's talking out of both sides of her false teeth about this stuff, you know? Um, she should just, when it comes to things she doesn't know, which is how they would feel historically about this, because she has no idea, she should shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know? How does she feel about Frederick Douglass's statue being torn down? I wonder. Yeah. Is that okay, know. too? Because that's what happened. Frederick du- They tore down Frederick, Fred- Frederick Douglass's statue. I would assume that uh, she knows who Frederick Douglass is, but it would not necessarily shock me, it would surprise me, if she didn't know. Hmm. We also, and I'm saying this just to be fair, we don't know who tore down the Frederick Douglass statue, although we can pretty much guess. Yeah, leftists. Yeah. Yeah, and it was white and black. It was every every race. No, it was those it was those white supremacists that have suddenly infiltrated everything everywhere. You know, it's the white supremacists doing it. Mm-hmm. But you notice what the media is doing now. They'll see uh, people who are there with Antifa who are mostly white, going, "Look, these are the people wrecking your cities." You're like, "That's Antifa." They're like, "No, no, no." No, that's right wing. Antifa uh, just protest stuff. Yeah, these no, are these are right wing uh, infiltrators. These are white supremacists. Yeah. yeah, that's what they are. Uh, real quick. I, we're going really late here, but there's so much to talk about. We want to talk about San Francisco considering the Karen Act to, yeah. penal, to penalize racially exploitative 911 callers. Calling the police could become illegal uh, if authorities determine there's racial motive behind the call. And that's not if, that's when they determine that racial motive. Because like we've said before, what Marxists do is they infiltrate. So what they'll do is they, they'll infiltrate whoever's in charge of deciding if there's racial motive between, behind a call. So whatever call center, there's going to be their their HR department person is going to be an SJW that goes, oh, yeah, yeah. was it a white person? Did they call in a black person? Did the black person get arrested? Oh, we got to turn around and charge a white person for calling. But, again, you know what's going to be interesting from a purely capitalistic point? I remember Thomas Sowell making an argument once about that, you know, the top 20% of, you know, wage earners and all that stuff or the top 20% of people. And he said the example he gave was if you own a home in San Francisco – and you sell it and move, he goes, that year, you will be in the top 20% of income earners. You won't be next year because you don't have a house in San Francisco to sell. Yeah. But I think it's interesting <clears throat> that he used that example because in three or four years, I don't think that will put you in the top 20% because I think San Francisco is yet another failing city. They already have, I think it's a dozen uh, employees that go around just picking up human feces on the curb. Yeah. They have somebody who has an, they made an app to track the the reports of human feces in yeah. the streets. I I just, I'm thankful that my wife and I went to San Francisco for an early anniversary uh, because I don't think I'm ever going back. Yeah. You know? No. Well, some high profile incidents where white people were caught on camera calling the cops on people of color have prompted lawmakers and progressive the progressive California city to propose what they call the Karen Act, and they're calling it C-A-R-E-N. It stands for Caution Against Racially Exploitative Non-Emergencies. It was revealed on Tuesday by the by the Democrat Shaman Walton on the Board of Supervisors. The name of the legislation is meant to reference the popular Karen meme, and they, they, they uh, spell it K-A-R-E-N, originally mocking middle-aged, affluent, frequently liberal white women who demand to speak to the managers of fast food and low-level retail employees to complain about their job performance. But you know, that has morphed at this point. Karen is not a term I'm going to use anymore because just like what the left does is they appropriate language. 
It offends your white sensibility. And they change it. So now Karens don't, they, they won't just call a, a liberal woman that does just that, like says, demands to speak to your manager. They call any conservative white woman now that dares speak up about anything um, a Karen. And pretty soon they're going to drop the liberals from it, and it's going to be exclusively, uh, Karens are going to be exclusively conservative white women. It's going to be a slur against exclusively conservative white women. It's kind of like what they did with the alt-right. I don't care. It's still funny. The alt-right was initially an alternative to the right. You know, the wishy-washy right, it's more aggressive, more nationalistic right. But then the left turned it into um, the alt-right being basically Nazi-affiliated, whatever bullshit. And then you couldn't say alt-right anymore without everybody thinking, oh, that means you're a fucking skinhead. Yeah, see, I disagree. I think the first official T-shirt I ever wanted to make for the show was one that had the logo on the back, but on the front just said, okay, Karen. Yeah. I, I bet you people would I, love that. I loved the term. It worked. But like I said, when, when the left co-ops something, they destroy it. Eh, I still think Karen is awesome. <laughs> All right, we better end there. We're going way over here. So uh, if you want to contact us, it's email. It's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, uh, Bread and Circuses Podcast. Like, share, comment, all that stuff. See you, bye.